if your work environment is stable, now you feel safer. Now you feel, you know, more connected. Now you feel like you belong. But if you feel like, you know, every Friday that rolls around, you're on the bubble. And there are shops like that. You know, Fridays are notorious for, you know, out the door. And that is a function of client turnover instability in those relationships. So, you know, I also look for their track record with agencies. How long have they been with partners? I don't want a client for three years. I want a client for 10. Uh, you're going to do your best work in years two, three, and, and onward. The industry average is three years. Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. Hello. It's Leanne here with the second half of the conversation with CEO Mike Sullivan. In the previous episode, we heard from Mike on the inextricable links between brand, culture, and leadership. Mike is the CEO of the Loomis Agency, a full-service challenger brand ad agency who works with the philosophy of never underestimate the underdog. Loomis is an award-winning agency for both their creative and their culture. I have a special place on my bookshelf for books written about culture and leadership that are penned by leaders with decades of experience. Mike is definitely one of those leaders. In this second half of our conversation, we'll hear from Mike on the seven elements of culture as outlined in The Voice of the Underdog, How Challenger Brands Create Distinction by Thinking Culture First, a book that he co-authored with Michael Tuggle. We pay special attention to challenges presented by COVID. There's a link to a blog he wrote about these challenges, as well as links to the book, Loomis and Mike. Enjoy. In the book, you and Michael Tuggle list seven elements of a great culture. And then I thought it was really brilliant just in the past couple of weeks. And I will link to this in the episode notes. You wrote an article, a blog post. You took those seven elements and then you kind of cast them into post-COVID or what we thought was post-COVID, whatever the heck is happening right now. You know, we're back in mask mandates here in Dallas. So I thought that that was really interesting how you took that. Will you start, though, by talking about the context? Because you list some statistics about like how many people have left the workforce and aren't coming back yeah. and all of that. So that sets a really important backdrop. And then let's talk about some of those seven elements as well. Yeah. So, yeah, millions of people have left the workforce, obviously. Um, you know, we, we deal with a lot of restaurant clients and service industry clients. And so I just feel for them uh, because it's it's been a real struggle. And I think uh, I heard the other day, maybe it was NPR or something, 10.1 million people left the workforce, or maybe there's 10.1 million positions open. And so 
folks are really trying to recruit. And again, I, I do think that that, and it's been well discussed at this point, that is just sort of the great resignation, the great uh, reconsideration in many respects of, you know, what am I doing? Do I feel like I'm attached to my company? Do I feel like I have a purpose? Do I feel like I belong? You know, all that stuff. And so people are sort of, you know, retrading the deal as it were, and we'll see how durable that is. But when we talk about culture and, and, and building our own culture, yeah, we, there are seven principles. And the, the first one that we lead off with, it's typically, we just call it safety, you know, and it's psychological safety, but now it's also physical safety. Thankfully, we haven't typically had to worry about physical safety issues, but COVID is on a whole new concern. But psychological safety, do I feel like I can bring my full self to the workplace? Can I be who I am? Can I contribute as I am and feel like I belong, feel like I'm part of the team. So the psychological safety part of that is is critically important. You know, with respect to the pandemic, you know, uh, I, I talked about this in, in the blog, you know, not all of us process that in the same way. You know, uh, everybody has varying levels of concern around it. I frankly think we need to be concerned about it, obviously. But, you know, setting policy and keeping everybody in mind when we do that is really important. It's easy you know, as a leader to, to, to say, well, this is how I feel and this is how it will be, but there's no regard for what we call psychological safety. Uh, and until people feel like they are safe and, and they can bring their full selves to their employment situation, they're not going to be as concerned about tapping into a purpose at work, for example, which is the second thing that we talk about, you know, what is it that I'm here to do? You know, at, at Loomis, we talk about, um, you know, fighting the fight for challenger brands hmm. and, you know, how we do that. What's neat is that as we come back to the world, as it's waking back up economically and many of our restaurant clients and other clients, gyms, for example, are trying to regain their footing. It's It's got our team really fired up about the contributions that they're making. And, uh, and that's a lot of fun. And so that attends to purpose. And we've got friends and peers in business who have really deep purpose. And I just don't think it has to be completely profound. I think sometimes people get a little wrapped up thinking, well, gosh, what is my, you know, uh, big purpose? It doesn't have to be existential at the company level. Exactly. You know, you can just be trying to do good things and be consistent about that. Yeah. So I want to interrupt you here and just ask, as you all are gradually coming back into work, was there any like big conversation that you had with your team about Here's where we are. How are you all feeling? I, I'm curious about how how that transition is going or how it started. Yeah. So there's a constant conversation. So it wasn't a single conversation uh, when it all hit. You know, we all had to go home. You know, we did Zooms. You know, every week we do this thing called Around the Rail, where all of our folks would get together. We talk about the week's events, call out, shout outs, all that good stuff. I would do those on video. People really like that. I would do videos, you know, updating uh, the, the team on our thinking, uh, just constant communication. You know, it's uh, Kip Tindall, you know, the container. Yeah. He said one thing in a, uh, in a talk that he was giving uh, that I was at years ago. He just said, communication is leadership. And then I could not agree with that more. So it's a constant dialogue. We work on Slack, like I'm sure everybody does. And We've got a, a Slack channel dedicated to this discussion and in real time. So an example, last week, uh, one of our clients had a big uh, conference. You know, everybody thought it was okay to do that, you know, just last week. And it turned out to be a super spreader. Well, we had some folks there. We were all vaccinated. We didn't get it. 
immediately though the organization wants to know and again we're small 66 people how when did you know this who's in fact we absolutely communicated 100 percent uh to everybody let them know this was six days ago nobody showed up with infections here here is what our protocol is people understand that when there's ambiguity and and, and questions aren't answered people will fill them in absolutely oh absolutely yeah there's a vacuum yeah. yeah, I love that. I mean, that's just a takeaway right there. Maybe, you know, if your company uses Slack, just open yeah. up a channel just for safety, COVID protocols, yep. how's everyone doing and just have Sharing that. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's a great idea. Yeah, I, love I that. Yeah. Yeah. Fact, I just put one out from the Atlantic on, on how the pandemic ends. It's just a great read. <laughs> oh, good. Well, maybe yeah. I can get that uh, that link from you I'll as well and put those yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So after purpose, what's next? Well, after purpose, we talk about vulnerability. And, and this is hard for uh, a lot of leaders. You know, it's a, you know, there's a real urge, especially for type A's, you know, um, achiever mindsets, you know, to grab the reins and take over and command and control. Um, but really, I've found and, and I, I know that many leaders have found that if, if you'll just slow it down and you'll let folks know that, man, I don't have all the answers, you know, three, two days ago, Wednesday morning, we were doing our, and that's what I led with that. Guys, I don't, I don't have all the answers. Um, nobody seems to have all the answers, but give me your feedback. Help me set our policy. Um, and inviting them into that discussion, I think, is, is really powerful. And framing it around the idea that, man, you know, I got kids, I'm concerned. I've got a mother that I'm concerned. We all share the same concerns. And here's a little bit of my humanity and, and leading with, you know, an example. Um, I think it's it's really powerful, and and unless a leader demonstrates and signals that it's okay to be vulnerable, uh, don't expect the, the the rest of the folks in the organization to feel that way. Yeah, I want to add something in there too about, and I guess this fits into vulnerability, but it's definitely um, another thing that I notice about your culture is that you share a lot about your personal lives. Your people bring their dogs to work. There's all kinds of stuff you know going on with you know each other's kids, what the kids are doing. Yep. Um, you know, you had a really nasty um, cycling accident at the end of yeah. last year. I guess you probably spent Christmas flat on your back in the hospital, but I was. Yeah. Yeah. People really know what's going on in each other's lives to a certain extent. And there's there's openness about that. And, and that speaks to vulnerability to me as well. Well, and I'll, and I'll do it one better, Leanne. So mental health is something that I've talked a whole lot about with my team and I continue to. That is the crisis that I don't think a lot of people are really talking about. My son and I talk about it a lot. He's studying for his, his PhD in psychology. But what I shared with, with my team, and I'm happy to do it, that look, I, I struggle. You know, I've had bouts of depression. I've, I've, I've worked with a therapist. You know, I, I some of the best work that I've done personally um, over the course of years, I've done that. And man, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed about that. I'm proud of that. And, mm -hmm. and I want our folks to feel that way too. And so through this pandemic, because I knew that people were uh, struggling, um, I got everybody a subscription to better talk or better health. One mm. of the exact name. And boy, the, the response to that was, it was completely anonymous, but if they wanted to speak with somebody, a, a trained therapist, uh, to talk through some of the, their struggles, it was there. And the feedback was just phenomenal. And even among the people who didn't feel the need to access that. It's, so, it's nice to know it's there if you need it. Well, and, and that's all about vulnerability. You know, yeah. it's one thing to say, hey, we have the service, but 
tell me a little bit about your life, Mike. You seem to have it all. You know, you're leading this company and you drive a nice truck. You know what? You know, <laughs> oh, you know, there's a lot more to me. I'm a human too, just like you. And you know, we we can do all this together. So yeah, we do have those stories about each other, don't we? Yeah, right on. Yeah. 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 So we've talked about safety, purpose, vulnerability. Yeah, belonging. Right? Belonging. All right. So you know, and this is one of the things that I think the uh, the pandemic really taxed for organizations was this sense of belonging. So I'm not going to this physical place. We have these Zoom meetings, but boy, boop, you hit the button and it's gone. There's no chatter. There's no connecting. And so I think belonging was a, a really hard one for uh, the, the folks to feel through the pandemic. Now, getting back together, you know, that's great to to do that. But anything that you can do to signal that this person is a part of the, you know, what we're doing and it's important. That sense of being a part of is really important. We all know what it feels like to be ostracized in, in any given situation and not maybe heavily but or not included. And, and that's certainly something you want to avoid at all costs. You want to yeah. see the opposite of that. The opposite of belonging that just came up for me just now is discounted. Love that. That's so, right. you know, like being asked for my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, being included in the decisions versus just like being discounted or ignored. I, I would, yeah. for me personally, yeah. uh, being discounted is opposite of, of belonging. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, it's, it's, that's really true. And asking for opinions and doing it authentically, you know, I mean, really, you can tell when someone really wants your opinion or whether just Checking the box. Yeah, Yeah. right. So those are the kinds of things that you can still do through Zoom. There's just a lot that that you can do better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever you can do to create that sense of belonging is really, really important. Absolutely. It's 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 critical to our primal feeling of survival. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it leads into connection, which is another one of the points here, too. So, you know, human connection is like the most fundamental uh, need and desire that all of us have. We, we need to feel connected to other people. Um, it, it, all you have to do is reflect on times in your life when you felt lonely to, to, to really ground with that. Yes, we are in this fourth wave. Um, this will abate at some point. Um, I, I do think that physical presence uh, is really required to, to, to feel that physical connection deeply. <laughs> My son made the funny remark to me. He said, you know, Dad, there's a reason uh, that people think it's easier to break up with somebody over the phone or maybe <laughs> over the phone. Like, right. Yeah, well, th- there's something about our humanity that is lost in this. But when we're in the same room, when we're with a person, you, you know, that, that connection is unmistakable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it was, uh, might have been Daniel Goleman that talked about that. And he, I think he has even has a book called Resonance, but like yeah. we're, we are built to resonate with each other. And I think we can do a lot via Zoom, especially when it's just like you and I are looking at each other. Now we right. can pick up some things, but our brains are working really hard to figure stuff out right now about what this means. What am I missing? What do I make of this? Because our whole bodies are built to resonate and we're missing that when we aren't. Um, And I do think hybrid is probably the answer, but I, I think just full virtual, I'm an introvert. I love working from my home office and I miss people. I'm shocked that you're an introvert, by the way. But uh, yeah, yeah, I am introverted or otherwise. You're exactly right. You know, I can't give you a hug. You know, yeah. I mean, and there is something uh, 
awfully important in that. It's that intangible, tangible, you know, yeah. it's yeah. there, you know, yeah. really important. So uh, creativity is next on your list. Yeah, creativity. When you know, so creativity works. You there is no problem that can't be solved with creativity. But you, all the other things really need to be in place to be on top of your game from a creative standpoint. Uh, You really do need to feel like you belong. You you have a sense of purpose. Like this is going in the right direction. Uh, You know, I I feel good about the people I work with. Now I'm able to bring my full self. And that's when creativity really catches fire. Um, and, and of course, we're a creative services firm. So we, you know, are always on the watch for things that enhance that and things that, um, uh, you know, make, may work against it. So creativity is critical. Uh, yeah, I think our, uh, we just get a lot of psychic bandwidth freed up when all of the other things that you're just speaking about are taken care of. We're not having to worry about our safety. And I'm just thinking of mad men and, you know, there's this stigma or this stereotype of, of an ad agency that might have been created back in those days. But I also know that you all deal with some tough clients. You know, people can be really demanding, but that I wonder if safety and some of these things weren't in place, if that's not what drive people to um, into substance abuse when they don't have it. It's, it's just a yeah. wondering that I'm having while we're on the conversations like, right. wow, it's a really, it's a pressure cooker environment. Yeah. It can be, how can you right. be creative when, when right. you don't feel safe, when you, you can't right. be vulnerable, yeah. all of those things. And so no. maybe I turn to a substance instead. Well, and, and that is rampant in our industry. There's no doubt about that. Huh. Now, what you know is as far as our culture goes, this is another thing I was very deliberate about. You know, I've worked at you know many agencies, uh, a couple of really big shops, and there were things about those cultures that I was just absolutely deliberate about changing. And so, so one of the things is, uh, you know, you, gosh, you said so much in that, but one of the things that I'll focus on is again the kind of clients that you bring into our an organization. What I was trying to do when I built my culture was create stability first and foremost. So if your work environment is stable, now you feel safer. Now you feel, you know, more connected. Now you feel like you belong. But if you feel like, you know, every Friday that rolls around, you're on the bubble and there are shops like that, you know, Fridays are notorious for out the door, you know, and and that is a function of client turnover, uh, instability in those relationships. So, you know, going all the way back to what we were talking about a minute ago, what do you look for? I also look for their track record with agencies. How long have they been with partners? I don't want a client for three years. I want a client for 10, you know, uh, you're going to do your best work in years two, three and, and onward. Um, the industry average is three years. And so when agencies lose clients, well, people go out the door and that creates, a, I think that that uh, compact with the employer is super shaky when you're in an environment yeah. like that. So being able <sighs> to hold clients for seven, eight, 10 years, uh, we've got one client that's 20 years. It, it makes a huge difference in the experience of, of the folks in, in the office. And it absolutely supports Yeah, it. that's so interesting. I didn't think about uh, looking at your clients, potential clients' resume and their track record. Oh, yeah. I know that I looked at, you know, I'll, I'll go on LinkedIn and look at a person's, like, how how often are they changing jobs? And it's like, oh, it, it gives me a question to ask, you know, what's, what's right. going on there? And I make up stories that I can 
you know, validate or, you know, destroy, but same thing with uh, potential clients. It's like, why are they changing agencies every two years? Do I want, is I, am I going to pull a team together and do all the work to bring someone on that we might be um, leaving? Look, I, you know, I think that what we do, we do really good work. I mean, we help clients, we move the needle. It's not for everybody. I, I really do look at it like, man, we've got a gift to give here. You know, yeah, it's, we're going to get fair trade for, you know, the services we provide and lots of agencies do, but it's not, not all clients are worth it. And that's not arrogance, but it's like, we work really hard on what we do. And we're, I'm not going to sell ourselves and my folks short by just offering that to anybody. Yeah. It, just it'll spoil it. And I'm not, I'm just not about to do that. Yeah. Well, and then that I'm just looking at the the last element here that you and Michael identified, which is North Star leadership, which is basically what you're talking about here. You know, what are, what are you, um, how are you directing and leading your team? How are you caring for them? So tell me a little bit more about how you think of North, North Star leadership. Well, you know, in, in, in my case, I look at North Star leadership and my, my, my personal, um, I, say, I say scorecard for me is, okay, the best places to work stuff. That's like a high water metric, if you will. Um, our friend Drew Clancy talks about it. Yes. For the business strategy. And I, I really do love that because it, it, it has been for us. And so, um, again, trying to create the kind of place that I want to go to every, every Monday uh, and making sure that it's the kind of place that all of our folks want to show up on Monday, um, you know, and holding that out, you know, w- when I talk to our folks about these best places to work surveys, it's for them. I think it's a report card on me and on leadership, but it's a product of uh, all of the efforts that I think we we all share to, to create the kind of organization that we, we want to work at, you know. And- I'm, I'm curious how your North Star leadership has been challenged during COVID and coming back, what have been the places that have felt paradoxical or like you had competing commitments or whatever during uh, during this time? Or maybe you didn't. It's just a, uh, no, it's just I, a wondering I, I have. I definitely have. I think any leader through this whole period has been challenged in ways that they never anticipated. Um, you know, it's interesting. And I think it was just adrenaline, you know, to start with. But probably for the first six months, I was very sort of supercharged about all this, you know, this whole shift to home and how flawlessly we did do it and, you know, how hard people were working. And But I also, I'm I'm a little more extroverted. I like to be with my folks. And so for me, it was just really hard mm. not, to, to, not to be able to do that. And so then thinking about when to bring folks back, you know, again, being sensitive to all the sensibilities, if you would, and where we landed was sort of two days a week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we're in the office and then we work remotely on other days, although a lot of people show up. I, I just think, again, going back to just the physicality and, and, and being with folks was really important. But then, you you know, you start to have questions about, well, there's clients who want to have meetings in person and it seems too early. And do we wear masks? And, you know, our answer is do what you think is uh safe for you. If, if you don't want to meet in person, all, all of our clients, because again, we've got the right kind of clients are amenable to that, you know, mm-hmm. they'll do a, a Zoom. So again, I don't know if I've answered that question really well, but th- these little things all accumulate to create the kind of culture that um, I think is really durable and um, supportive and good and, you know, undergirds the whole organization. Yeah, I, I really appreciate Um, this whole conversation. And one of the things that I think about for um, people in your position leading organizations is that 
you kind of walk around with a, a target on your back because mm. you're the person that everybody is looking at, you know, so anybody in a leadership position, yeah. I, I think that you're just, you're yeah. vulnerable, you know, 100%. and I thank you for your leadership and for uh, stepping up because it's not easy. It is, I, what you're doing is difficult. It's difficult. It's a privilege too, Leanne. I mean, I look, I look at this and I go, my God, I'm blessed. You know, I mean, look at all these people show up and collaborate and conspire for our shared success. But it's <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's just really awesome. I kind of get chills thinking about it because I know how great they all are. You know, and, and honestly, the question I always ask myself is, am I doing enough? You know, mm. am I doing enough to, you know, provide the growth and the success that these people deserve? I, so far, we're doing okay, but you know, that's yeah, be driving every day. You know, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, in closing, I'm just going to read through these seven elements again, really quickly, and then I want to ask you if you have anything that you want to kind of close with, direct people's attention to. So, again, the seven elements that you and Michael Tuggle highlight in the book, and again, I really recommend that people read it. I'm listening to it, and I love it because you and Tuggle are. Uh, switching off every few chapters. And I love when the authors read the book and it really is, it's just case study after story. And it's really, really entertaining and inspirational. Like I'm just, I'm gleaning so much. So I I, I do want to say, I'm going to read these seven elements, but I think people ought to get the book. So the seven are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Safety, vulnerability, purpose, belonging, creativity, connection, and North Star leadership. So those are the seven elements that you and Michael Tuggle write about in the book, as well as other things. And I will have links to you, Loomis, the book, the COVID article, yeah, the, in the episode in the Atlantic article there. And and what else should do you? How, how else do you want to direct our attention? Do you have anything fun coming up? You know, in the near future. We've got fun company stuff coming up, hopefully when all this stuff clears out. But uh, no, I just, I would, it'd be great if people wanted to take a look at the book and, and our blog. And we've got our podcast that we just started here about, uh, uh, gosh, two months ago. So we're four episodes in. Yeah, all that would be great. You know, the only thing that I would say kind of in wrapping up is, man, I, I look at this as an opportunity to really reset. You know, and when do you get that in a career and as a leader? And, you know, coming in, you know, we've got all kinds of new opportunities. And so uh, I, I took full advantage of COVID and did a little offsite work from home, work remotely in northern Michigan for about four weeks. And that was great. And I came back, really reset, uh, really focused on what I think we need to do as an organization. And I'm, I'm supercharged and I hope others will feel the same way and, and do that kind of thing for themselves. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for the time this morning and for our continued relationship. I love working with you and the folks on your team. And it's just, it's been a real joy. You're a gift, Leanne. We appreciate ah. you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much and uh, have a fantastic rest of your day. You too. See ya. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews, and shares are also really appreciated. You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today 
and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening and remember, elevate your part of the world. Thank you.